Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a weekly program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. This program is brought to you by Hope Fellowship, your community church located on the second floor of the St. Jacob's Outlet Mall. I'm Pastor Mike Zenker, and for the next half hour, I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will help you expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. So many are tired of trying harder to live the Christian life. I've got great news for you. You can stop trying. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. So glad you could join us this week on Still Growing in Grace. Last week was kind of exciting as we began to talk about the two trees in the Garden of Eden and what they each represent. I used to think that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was so important to focus on because I had to switch from the um, the branch of evil and switch to the tree of good. So I thought it was about switching branches until I found out that it's about living from the life tree. So our best example in scripture is Jesus himself. And last week we said we're going to do a gentle shift today to see how the parallels of those two trees work into the life of Christ and how he lived. If Jesus is our model, and if we are to share his life with the world, what does that look like? What does it look like to model Christ? I think it's going to start with by looking at how Jesus lived his life. Now, I don't mean, you know, he came home at five o'clock, washed his hands and had supper and all that stuff. But how did he live his life? How did he uh, develop his spiritual awareness or connection communication with his father? Maybe, just maybe, there's a bit of a pattern that we can see that will encourage us and lead us into a much more freeing way to live day to day. I want that, don't you? I want to experience and live the abundant life. And I believe Jesus lived it. I think he lived it perfectly. So what can we learn that is a lesson to us without having to try to do a simple copycat role of Jesus? Jesus never once asked us to copycat him. He did instruct us on how to live. He gave examples. He gave insights. And even better, probably the best gift he gave us was he revealed the Father to us. So let's take a look at what this can look like. This is how Jesus communicated it, all right? Let's look at John 5, verse 30. This is the first picture of how Jesus functioned, if we're going to learn something from him. He says, Nothing I do is from my own initiative. For as I hear the judgment passed by my Father, I execute judgment. And my judgments will be perfect, because I can do nothing on my own except to fulfill the desires of my Father who sent me. Did you hear that? He just said, Jesus, the Son of God, he says, I do nothing on my own initiative. He didn't come up with a plan. He didn't at all. In fact, he listened to his Father's voice. That's in John 5.30. John 17.16 seems to back this up. He says, So Jesus responded, I don't teach my own ideas, but the truth revealed to me by the one who sent me. And who sent Jesus? 
you and I both know this is a declaration that his heavenly father sent him. He says, I don't teach anything on my own. The man, Jesus, did not teach anything on his own. It was the truth given to him by his father. There's more. Those are only two verses. Again, we are looking for a pattern, something to point to and say, aha, this is repeated over and over again. Let's take a look at John 8, 28. It says here, then you will realize that I do nothing on my own initiative. (laughs) There it is again. He says it again twice now. I don't do anything on my own initiative. Then he continues, but I only speak the truth that the Father has revealed to me. John 8, 28. So Jesus is only sharing what his Father has revealed to him, which requires a moment of revelation, which requires a time to be still and hear his father's voice. We're not talking about Joseph, his father. We're talking about his heavenly father. It gets better. That's three. Let's find another one. John 8, 42. It says, I've come from his presence. I did not come here on my own, but God sent me to you. (laughs) Can you hear the audacity? I have come from his presence. He just declared, I've come from the heavenly father, the God, your God. I've just come from his presence. I did not come on my own. Four verses each pointing to he didn't come on his own initiative. He is sent by the Father. Uh, the words he says. There, there's more. I've, I've got a few more. Two more. He writes in John 14, sorry, John 12, 49. He writes, For I am not speaking as someone who is self-appointed, but I speak by the authority of the Father himself, who sent me and who instructed me what to say. This is getting richer and richer. Each verse is pointing to a a deeper, more interwoven connection, a penetration between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and now coming out through the man, Jesus Christ, Son of God, Son of of Man, too. He says, I'm not speaking as a self-appointment. I'm not waving my own flag, trying to get my own recognition, I'm fulfilling what my father called me to do, which is absolutely beautiful. That's five verses. Here's another one. John 14, 24. You got to read the book of John. The book of John is one of the most beautiful stories in all of scripture that captures the heartbeat of Jesus. The other books are great, like Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're more story-focused, but there's nothing like the book of John. If you want to hear the actual heartbeat of Jesus as if you're leaning on his chest in a hug, that's what this book is written from. John 14, 24 says, The Father did not send me to speak my own revelation, but the words of my Father. Jesus is bringing a revelation to the people. As a man, he comes and reveals. What's he revealing? From these six verses just now, what is he revealing? I believe he's revealing who his source 
is, who his father is. He's uh, revealing a, a model of how he is living. He is uh, walking out what it means to be a disciple of God. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? I, I just love this. Well, if Jesus related to his father that way, how are we as believers to relate to Jesus then? Well, I'm going to tell you, it's the same way he related to his father, exactly the same. In Jesus' own words, listen to John 20, 21. He says, as the father has sent me, I also send you. Oh, more confirmation. The father sent him. He just declared it. And now he's saying, as the father sent me, so I send you. How did the Father send him? Well, let's, let's come back to that in a minute. There's another one in John 15, 5. You've heard this one before. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do some things. What? Uh-oh. Did I read that wrong? Yes, I did. Oh, my goodness. It doesn't say you can do some things. It says, I, for apart from me, you can do nothing. What do you mean nothing? Well, the nothing has to do with kingdom value. Things that will be of spiritual, effective essence. That uh, Here's an example. I could try and, and try and make something happen spiritually by doing a special act, but my ulterior motive is to promote me, 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 me. My own agenda, blah, blah, blah. Those people are still going to be served and feeling, they're going to feel love. And if I feed them, they'll get food and all that stuff. But the spiritual benefit will be nothing because it was fueled by an ego, not the spirit of Christ. So here he says, if you abide in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It is Christ in us who does all the doing. I hope you hear that. He's the source. John 5, 19 backs this up even more. He says, the son can do nothing. I mean, nothing. It says nothing. You can look it up. John 15, or sorry, 5, 19. The son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son also does in like manner. Oh, this is a profound statement of Jesus yielding to his heavenly father, submitting to humanity. He is saying, I can't do any of this in my own strength. I don't walk around every day and I figure out what my to-do list will be. He does not pull out his Google calendar or his BlackBerry phone or whatever he's got, his iPhone and, and with a calendar on and plan his day. He doesn't sit there and say, Father, what would please you? You know what? Today I'm going to wake up. I'm going to make breakfast for free down at the main street. Yeah, that, that'll please you. Then I'm going to go down to the synagogue at 11. I'll preach a sermon. That should please you. Yep. That, that, that'll be really, you'll really be honored by that. And then, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to drop in at a funeral and I'm going to raise a guy from the dead. That'll freak them out and bring you glory. Oh, this is going to be a great day, God. Let 
let's see, what else can I do to please you? Hmm, let me think. Oh, uh, and you get the point. This is not how Jesus lived. He did not live creating an agenda of to do. What can I do for you, God? He lived from God in dwelling him and then listening to the voice of the divine in him and simply, moment by moment, obeying and following the instruction and the wisdom of his father living in him. This is something for us to learn. How many miracles could Jesus, the man, have done if he had acted independent of God, not relying on the source within him? How many? The answer is none. Zero. Well, what can we accomplish then, acting independently, using our own human wisdom? And believe me, with all the apps out there and all the software, there is awesome wisdom out there. There's great plans to plan how to love God better and serve your neighbor better and build the kingdom of God, which is critically important. Okay, wait a minute. Jesus built the kingdom. He has built. He is the kingdom of God living in us. We get to we get to declare it. It's not for us to create something out of nothing. It's for us to acknowledge what is there. That there is a kingdom at work in all of us. We're called to call out that kingdom and to be the kingdom with hands and feet and love everyone around us with the eyes and heartbeat of Jesus who indwells us. We're going to come back in just a few moments, and we're going to continue and bring back the issue of our spiritual identity and how Jesus lived his life and how we are called to live our life. I hope you'll be encouraged by that. Thank you. Are your kids looking for some outdoor fun this March break? It's not far from your own backyard. At Conestoga River Horseback Adventures, pony rides for ages two years and up, camp for five and up, lessons for seven and up, trails are 11 and up when the ice is not around. Sign the kids up now for March break camp before they get cabin fever. At Conestoga River Horseback Adventures, 519-888-6503 and horsebackadventures.ca. Looking for a real estate agent that will put your needs before his? Terry Van Lent is just that agent. Caring and honest are just two of Terry's best qualities, and they shine through in his real estate career. As a longtime resident of Waterloo Region, Terry is well acquainted with the area and its multitude of attractive amenities. For an agent that cares, call Terry Van Lent at Coldwell Banker Peter Benninger Realty, 519-742-5800, extension 2060. So let's come back to the idea of our spirit identity. We just heard about Jesus declaring that he was abiding in the Father, that he was living out of the resource God the Father in him, the Spirit as source indwelling him. Well, this brings us back to the issue of our identity, the identity of Jesus and our identity. Do we even know the difference? So here's the question. If our spirit is our essence— Then the next big question is this, what is the source which animated the life of the man named Jesus? This sounds like a crazy question, but it is a very good one. So many people would say that Jesus lived out of being God. 
And I grew up believing that too. I, I kind of thought, okay, we're supposed to live like Jesus. He's lived as us. He's he's been tempted by everything. He, you know, he's lived our life the same way, so he should understand. But in my mind, I always thought Jesus had the God card in his back pocket all the time. Something that I don't have, as in, in my mind, in my thinking, I did not see my association as oneness with Jesus. So I always thought Jesus played the God card, and that's how he was able to overcome with that extra superpower. He was a superhero in his walking out his life with God as his source. But I'm going to suggest to you a verse from the book of Acts that reveals something far bigger than I ever dreamed of and perhaps an encouragement for you and I that there is hope to live an abundant life, to live a life flowing from what is and who is in us. I'm just afraid that there are so many believers who don't know who lives in them. Well, by the time we're done, weeks of this teaching, and even today, you should know by now who is in you. It is Christ. The life of Christ indwells you. So let's go to Acts 2.22. Listen to this carefully. Peter continued. And this is where he reveals the big reveal of how Jesus lived. He said, people of Israel, listen to the facts. Jesus The victorious was a man on a divine mission whose authority was clearly proven. For you know how God performed many powerful miracles, signs, and wonders through him. Did you hear that? Did you hear what Peter just said? It is God who performed many powerful miracle signs and wonders through the man Jesus. It wasn't Jesus doing it independently. He was living, abiding in his Father. That's totally the story here. That's the good news of Christ coming, that he was abiding in the Father, showing us, modeling for us how we can abide in him. What does this abiding mean then? It means to trust. It means trusting. It means to yield or yielding power and control. It means surrendering outcomes, control, um, being misunderstood. It's this complete giving over something in our culture that we are not used to. It is counter-cultural to yield, submit, trust, and and surrender. It is a moment-by-moment or instant-by-instant relying on instructions moment-by-moment and this time, it comes from a time of prayer in Christ, with Christ. He, we have seen several times throughout the, the Gospels of how Jesus went off to pray. He went off to be connected, just to meditate and be in the oneness with his heavenly Father. He relied on those moment-by-moment instructions. And I believe it came from his time of prayer. There were times when Jesus was asked, uh, when are you coming back? Or when's this going to happen? And Jesus often said, I do not know. And I believe he was telling the truth. 
Some people try to say, if he says, I do not know, he just declared he's not omniscient, he's not God, therefore he's a fraud. But the man, Jesus, being fully God, fully man, the man did not have that revelation given to him to answer these questions. But I believe God was actively at work in Jesus at many different intervals through his walk in ministry for those three years, especially when he was confronting the religious leaders, when there was a person that needed special healing. He didn't know as a man what the problem was. His father revealed it to him at that moment. He revealed the thoughts of those complaining against him to him at that moment, and he called out to them what they were thinking. But this has to do with moment by moment. So abiding, what is it? Is it hard? Is it is it uh, a mystical thing? Yes, actually, there's a bit of mystery here. And that's a good thing. Don't run from mystery. We here in the Western church, we want to have everything clearly figured out. We want clear-cut answers. There aren't clear-cut answers for everything, folks. But let me let me read this definition of abiding to you. This comes from a blog from 2010 that I read. It says this, Simply put, to abide in Christ means one thing. To relax and trust His indwelling life to motivate and mobilize our actions. It means to know that it's not up to us to make something happen. It means to trust Him and stop worrying about ourselves. In fact, it means to take our eyes off of ourselves and just look at him, knowing that there's nothing we have to do and that he will show us when to act and what to do when it's time to do it. It is a life of rest. What about Christ's attitude? Is there anything we have that reveals the attitude of Christ? I believe there is. Some of you already know where I'm going to go with this. Right to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. These the, these three, four verses are going to encourage your soul today. If nothing else, this is going to be a, a like an extra coffee for your day to start your day or an extra, just an encouragement. Let me just, get, let's get to it. Philippians 2, verses 5 to 8. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. So Paul is saying already, here's an example for us to follow. Let's look at Jesus, who is the best example. Now, I always thought his example was going and doing whatever it was he did when that is not the example that he's encouraging us to do. There are some things to mimic. Yes, you stand up for the the unjust, uh, help the poor, feed the hungry. Those are good things. But if those, the to-do list becomes the focus, we will be distracted from the person of Christ and keeping our eyes on him. He said, let this mindset become your motivation. He existed in verse 6 of Philippians 2. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He 
humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. Do you realize Jesus died a criminal's death, and yet he was declared innocent by the Pilate and by the governor? He was declared innocent, and they still killed him. It was a brutal murder, a public one. Here is this verse in Philippians 2, declaring that Jesus, who was full God, fully God, fully man, he did not live out of his divinity. There's a, a theological term here called the kenosis theory, where he emptied himself. While he was 100% God, 100% man, Jesus chose not to live out of his deity, but out of his humanity. He laid aside his right to live out of his deity. Just as Jesus abided in his Father, we're called to abide in him. Jesus lived in this world as a man who depended entirely on his Father to be his life. Everything that Jesus did, it wasn't Jesus doing it. It was the life of God through him. His life will come flowing out when we understand and appropriate the truth of our identity. Legalism will tell you you have to do certain things to be right or stay right with God. Grace says, just be who you are in Christ. Then watch what abundant living will look like happening through you supernaturally. So which tree are you living off of? Are you wondering if you're on the right tree? Question your motives. Are you doing what you do out of duty or desire? Law or love? Performance or or the person of Christ? Is it a joy or is it a burden? These are great questions. The key to enjoying a successful life is not strenuous work, but living from a place of spiritual rest, confident of knowing who you are. Do you know who you are? Do you know you're loved? I'm going to tell you today, God loves you. He's crazy about you. He likes you. (laughs) And he wants you to experience the abundant, true life of his son in you. Who does live in you? So today, be encouraged. You are free. You have a new life. Live out of that life. We'll see you next week. Family run, family owned. So their focus is on you. Conestoga Lodge Retirement Residence is a full-service retirement home in Kitchener, and you'll be impressed to know that they are not a big corporate chain. They're quality-driven with a focus on each and every individual. Conestoga Lodge offers permanent and short-term stays. To book a free, no-obligation tour, you can call 519-576-2140 or visit online at conestogalodge.com. Are you looking for an encouraging church where you'll discover hope in God who truly loves and accepts you? Hope Fellowship in North Waterloo meets every Sunday at 1030, and the great coffee is only the first thing you'll appreciate. If you're looking for a safe place, a relaxed community of people who want to grow in the freedom of God's grace, welcome to Hope Fellowship, second floor of the St. Jacob's Outlet Mall. Learn more at hopefellowshipycc.com, and they do have that great coffee. 
You've been listening to Still Growing in Grace. I'm Pastor Mike Zenker, and I'd like to invite you to join me next Tuesday morning at 11.30 when our teaching time will continue. Or join us at 10.30 every Sunday morning at Hope Fellowship, your community church located on the second floor of the St. Jacob's Outlet Mall. If this show has been an encouragement to you, won't you help us spread this good news? Make your donation today by visiting stillgrowingingrace.ca. You can also catch up on past programs, watch YouTube videos of our talks, and download our weekly podcasts. Sign up for our email list and send in your questions. After all, no one has arrived, and we are all still growing in grace.